Good morning to you. Last week, our word for the day was the word personal, and today is the word simple. The word simple. I want you to see where we're going. We will be looking at a simple truth. We'll be noticing our simple mission. We'll be noticing a simple warning given by our Lord. We'll take a simple look at ourselves and then a simple look at time. I want us to understand what we mean when we say the word simple in this in this way. It means to be straightforward, to be direct. It means to be uncomplicated. It means to uh, be unmistakable about what we're doing. It means to have a very clear vision. Very clear vision. The religion of Jesus in this sense is simple, straightforward, it's direct, it's focused, uncomplicated, very clear as we look at it from the Bible. James 1 verse 8, James was talking about prayer and faith that we have as we pray. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The Lord doesn't want us to be double-minded. He wants us to be single-minded, sharply focused on who we are and why we are here. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or vice versa, he'll hate the other and love the one No man can serve two masters. The Lord wants us to be simple. Simple. A particular passage I'd like for you to turn to is Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23 as we get started this morning. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. I believe Jesus touches on this idea of being simple and straightforward, direct, focused, uncomplicated, He says in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 22, and remember this is in the context of Him talking about our possessions and laying up treasures in heaven, not serving two masters. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is single, if your eye is single or healthy or good, then it's going to bring light into the body. But if your eye is bad, then your body is going to be full of darkness. Jesus says, even so, if the light that is in you is dark, how great is that darkness? You might compare it to a a room with windows. The state of that window determines how much light is going to come into the room. If that window is dirty or distorted, or cracked, or shaded, then that's going to affect the light that comes into the room. But also, if that, if that window is clean and clear, and not shaded, not distorted, not cracked, then the light's going to come into the room, and even uh, in that way as well. The condition of the window states just how much light's going to come into the room. And even so... The condition of our vision, our focus, our direction determines how much of the light of God's Word is going to come into our lives 
and how much influence we're going to have for our Lord. And so simple, simple this morning. The religion of Jesus is based upon several simple qualities. And we will observe these, and there are many more than this, but we will observe these five. In the first place, the religion of Jesus is based upon a simple truth. And that simple truth is, we have been saved to serve. It is based upon a simple truth, we have been saved to serve. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, Paul says, Know you not that so many of us as... Know you not, he says, that to whom we serve, that person is also going to be our Lord. If you are a servant of sin, then your Lord is going to be sin. But if you're a servant of righteousness, then the Lord, the true Lord, is going to be your Lord. Then he says in Romans 6, verse 17, But thanks be to God, that as, whereas you were the servants of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching that was delivered to you, being then made free from sin. There's our blessing. Being then made free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness. Now notice... The blessing is freedom from sin. And if you jump back to Romans 6, 3, and 4, we learn that we have died to sin and then we're baptized into the death death of Jesus and we're raised to walk in newness of life. That is being free from sin. Being then made free from sin, you have become automatically, you have become servants of righteousness. You see, we have been saved to serve. We have been free made free from sin in order to be in bondage to Christ to help other people. It is, it is something that is, ought to be automatic. And as we are coming to Christ, as we are understanding the gospel and learning what He has done for us and how we ought to submit to Him, part of that understanding is that when I obey Christ, I automatically go to work for Him. I have been saved to serve. And it's not just that I understand that I go to work for Him, but it's also there ought to be developed within us as we are making our way to Christ and, and we're getting ourselves ready to be baptized into Him for forgiveness. There ought to be developed within us if we're studying right and if we're thinking right, there ought to be developed within us an attitude of gratitude. And so from this understanding and from this gratitude then we understand that we are to go to work, that we have been saved to serve. A great example of this is Acts chapter 9 when Paul was baptized. If you look at Acts 9, 18, we see him baptized. Notice that in verses 19 and 20 it says, And immediately or straightway he went right into the synagogue there at Damascus and began to, to teach and talk about and proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. This very man who had been working so steadfastly against Christ is now part of Christ. He's in Christ. He's been made free from sin. Now he is serving the Lord. He was a servant of sin. Now he's a servant of righteousness. Same thing happens when this lady Jesus talked to at Jacob's well in John 4, woman of Samaria. As soon, just as soon, you know, 
he worked with her, with her knowledge about, about the truth and about how you ought to live morally. But he's, he's working down. And finally, when she, as soon as she learns who he is, that he is the one, he is, he's the one scripture has talked about, he is the Messiah, why she leaves her water pot. You know, she had come for another purpose. She had come to, to draw water out of the well. And that's, that's one of the duties of the, the ladies of, the, of that day. Come draw water. She left her water pots and she went to her people and she said, Come see a man who told everything about me. Can this be the Christ? She has been blessed, so she's going to go bless other people with her blessing. She couldn't help herself. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus, as he had often had, had done while on earth, he was able to show his power over Satan by casting out these demons. And he does this, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. You read down through about verse 19 and 20. The man that he relieved of, the man that got relief from the demon the man that Jesus worked upon, was so grateful that he wanted just to stay with Jesus. You couldn't blame him. Look at that in John, uh, Mark 5, verse 18. He just wanted to stay there with Jesus. But Jesus told him in verse 19, notice what he says, Mark 5, 19. He says, you need to go to your friends, you need to go to your house, you need to go to your family, and you need to tell them two things. Tell them, first of all, what great things God has done for you, and secondly, how God has showed great mercy upon you. Go and tell your family and friends that God has shown mercy to you and He has great, done great things for you. Jesus was teaching him as He's trying to teach us today that when we have been blessed, it ought to be just automatic from both knowledge and mindset and emotions in our heart ought to just be Automatic to want to share what we have found. Years ago, researchers found a Roman medallion, big old oversized coin medallion. And upon that medallion, in the middle of the, of the coin, was a bull, a picture of a bull. And on one side of the bull was a plow that a bull might be used to plow. So it was just a plow of service, a gardening plow. On the other side of the bull was pictured an altar of sacrifice. And at the bottom of that medallion was this inscription, Ready for either. Ready for either. That's a great thought. Great thought. Because that's the very sort of thought we are to have as we come out of the waters of baptism. Is I'm ready for either. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to sacrifice because of what the Lord has done for me. And so the religion of Jesus is based upon this simple truth that we have been saved to serve. In the second place, the religion of Jesus is based upon a simple mission. A simple mission. 
It is stated in Luke 19 and verse 10 that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. I particularly like Mark 2.17 here where Jesus had called Matthew into his fold, into service for him, into teaching for him. And Matthew right away, of course, was a tax collector and he gathered his family and friends and work associates together into his house and had them listen to Jesus as well. And the Jews began to complain, how is it that this man is associating and eating with sinners? And Jesus responded to them and said, those that are whole do not need a physician, but those who are sick. And Jesus goes on to say, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That is Jesus helping us to get on target. That is Jesus stating for us the original focus of the church. You can't get any more original in the church than Jesus. You can't get any more original than Jesus. And His focus, and He is trying to draw our attention to the fact that we're not here to work among the righteous. We're here to work among the sinners. We're here to work among the lost. That's His mission. It's got to be our mission as well. It's very simple, very straightforward, very direct, and it needs our focus. It's not complicated at all, is it? It only becomes complicated when we make it complicated. In Luke chapter 8 and 14, Jesus talked about receiving the Word of God. He says it can be received except there are some hearts that are crowded with the cares, pleasures, and riches of this world. Well, the very thing that keeps us from receiving God's Word is the very thing that keeps us from sharing God's Word. The cares, pleasures, and riches of this life. It's not complicated, but only when we mix that mission with other things does it become complicated. Now, I'm going to give you five aspects of this simple mission. And you see it here on the monitor. We are to seek the lost, teach the lost, train to save, worship in truth, and love everybody. Now you can state the mission any way you want to. And it's going to, if, you, if, you got, if it's scripture based, then you're going to get it right. But what about these five aspects? Sums it up pretty good, doesn't it? We are to seek the lost, teach the lost, train to save, worship in truth, and love everybody. That's what we're about. And if we're faithful, at the end of our days, we're not going to outgrow this. If the Lord allows us to be on this earth longer and longer and longer, we're not going to outgrow this. In fact, we ought to become more and more skilled in this mission as time goes along. Think about seeking the lost for just a second. Why is it that we are able to read about Paul's missionary journeys beginning in Acts 13. Why is it that Paul went in Acts 13 in places like Antioch of Pisidia and places like Pamphylia and places like the island of Crete and other, other places? Why is it in Acts 14 we see Paul in Lystra and Derby? Why is it in Acts 16 we see Paul coming to Philippi? Why is Paul in Athens in Acts 17? Why is Paul coming to Corinth in Acts 18? Why is, what is Paul doing in Ephesus in Acts 19. Why is it that when Paul writes to the Romans, Romans 15, he again and again says, I want to come to you in Rome, and then when I get there, get finished at Rome, I want to go to Spain. Why is Paul wanting to go all these places? He's seeking the lost. 
Why are they going into these synagogues? Why is Paul constantly going to Thessalonica? He's going into Ephesus. And first thing to do, go to these synagogues. It's not that they're trying to operate or trying to worship according to the old law. No, they're trying to find people that will listen to the truth. You know, right there in the synagogues, they've already got the scriptures open. That's a perfect place, perfect ideal, perfect little situation where they go in and just share the rest of the story, as it were. The rest of the story about Jesus, the rest of the story about the Hebrew nation and so forth. See, why did Jesus give us Luke 15? He gives us three stories in Luke 15. A lost coin, a lost, lost sheep, and a lost boy. Why? He's trying to focus our attention on this very idea of seeking the lost. That's what we're about. We seek the lost, we teach the lost, we train to save, we worship in truth, and we love everybody. And when Jesus comes again, I hope that's what I'm busy doing. What about you? Years and years ago, several generations back, there was a lot of traveling done in the early times of our country by wagon trains. And so this particular group was traveling by wagons from Arkansas to Oklahoma. And as they were traveling along, there was a stir of dust. Some of the men began to notice a stir of dust coming at them from behind. And a lot of times when you saw a stir of dust, that meant it could be, you know, some thieves were robbers, somebody with some evil intentions. And so... As the stir of dust got closer to them, they just circled the wagons like they would do. They put the women and children toward the middle of the wagons. The men got their rifles out. They went out to, out to the outside of the circle, and they were ready to meet this cloud of dust that's coming toward them. And as, as it got closer, they could see it was just one man, and he had somebody with him on his horse. And he yelled out. He said, I don't mean any harm, no harm, no harm. And so they lowered the guns as he got closer and they noticed that as he got closer he was on his horse and he had a three-year-old girl with him. The three-year-old girl had fallen off the wagon train at some point back and nobody noticed. And when this man found her she was just sitting in the sand, playing in the sand waiting for somebody to come back and get her but nobody, somehow or another with their busyness and what they were doing, they did not notice she had fallen off, and this man noticed. You see, people are missing everywhere. Whoever is not living for God is a missing person. We must be seeking the lost all the time, seeking the lost. I've told you before about a little thing a preacher did. It's always a set of flowers, there was a little stand that came out in front of the pulpit, and they always set some flowers in front of the pulpit. So he, he took those flowers and hit them and didn't say anything. And one of the members, when the guys got up and he made announcements, he says, we're missing the flowers. If anybody knows where they're at. And so you've never seen such a scurry of activity in all your life. People got together and started talking and thinking about where they'd last seen the flowers and had there been any special events and they scurried about and looked for rooms and made phone calls about these missing flowers and then that night the preacher got up and he brought out the flowers. And of course you know what his lesson was about. 
He said, the Lord would have us to be at least as busy looking for the lost souls as we are, as we have been today, looking for these missing flowers. A simple mission. In the third place, the religion of Jesus is based upon a simple warning. Hebrews 2 verse 1. The religion of Jesus is based upon a simple warning. The apostle there in Hebrews 2 and verse 1, he says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Why does he say that? If we back up into chapter 1, he had just talked about how Jesus is greater than anybody. I mean, Jesus is at the right hand of God and the angels are in submission to him. So he just made that point really clear. And then he says, therefore, based on the authority of Jesus, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift. That's the warning. Lest we drift. Life is like a person being in a boat. He's on the river, he's on the lake. If you're not rowing, if you're not paddling, you're drifting. And the thing about drifting is, you're not really conscious of it a lot of times. You're not, con- you're not aware. And before long, you, when, you, when, you, when you look around, you say, well, I've drifted off. I'm, where am I at? And as you're drifting, you say, well, okay, I'll get back on course. So a lot of times, you'll, you'll look over to the bank, you'll look over to the land, and you'll pick out a fixed object, and you'll say, I'm going to get back on course, because I'm going to row, I'm going to paddle, I'm going to steer toward that fixed object, and that's going to get me back on my path. The apostle here is saying the same thing can happen to us. If we're not simple, if we're not direct, if we're not straightforward, if we're not uncomplicated, if we're not focused, if we're not seeing clearly, we can drift. We can drift. This is a favorite tool of Satan. Satan doesn't really mind that we're doing all these good things as long as we're not focused on the best thing. And oftentimes we're paying more attention to ourselves and to those that we always see and are accustomed to seeing and are texting back and forth. And all the while, those who are missing are still missing. Satan loves it when we just drift and drift. And we're not aware of it sometimes because, as I said, we're doing good things and we're congratulating ourselves on the good things that we're doing and all the while we're drifting away from the main thing. The original purpose for Jesus, of Jesus, for the church. The only way for us to get back course is to look over there on the land and find our Lord, find His Word, and roll back and get on the path that He wants us to be on. You see, the religion of Jesus is based on that simple warning. Let us pay much closer attention to the things which we have heard, lest happily we drift away from them. In the fourth place, the religion of Jesus is based on a simple look at ourselves. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul lays it out pretty clearly, doesn't he? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, he says, I planted Apollos water, God gave the increase. He that plants is nothing, he that waters is nothing, but God gives the increase. Galatians 6 and verse 3, 
Let him who thinks he's something when he is nothing, let him take heed. Those who think they're something when they are nothing need to take heed lest they be deceived. Galatians 6 verse 3. What's he saying there? Remember, Paul is writing Galatians, Paul's writing Corinthians. And so, same writer, we know what he's talking about. He's not saying, hey, you need to work to be something. Okay. He's not saying, hey, you need to be something so that other people will know that you're something. You need to be something in this life. He's not saying that. He's saying, if you think you're something, in reality, you're nothing. But if you think you're something, you're deceiving yourself. And evidently, this is really important in doing good works because right there in Galatians, verse 1, he tells us if a man is overtaken in a fault, go find him, go bring him back. In Galatians 6, verse 2, he says, be sure to bear one another's burdens, but all the while, don't think that you're something because you're nothing. That's our situation before God. We are nothing. He that plants, he that waters is nothing but God. But God. Just repeat that to yourself. What I do. But God. One of the very first lessons in being a Christian and living right is to realize life is not about you. Life is not about me. It is about God. It would be good to start a prayer every morning in this regard. Lord, I realize life is not about me. And then go from there. Because in reality, according to these inspired words, life is not about us. It's about God and what He wants to do with us in order to bless other people. Now, I sat at the feet as much as I could while he was still alive. Every opportunity I could. This man that preached down at Roebuck Parkway Church of Christ, I don't think it's called that anymore. I think it's called Deerfoot or something. But the man's name is Jerry Jenkins. Jerry Jenkins. Anytime Jerry was around, I was there. One of his favorite slogans was this. He went like this. He says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about the somebody that saved my soul. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about the somebody that saved my soul. Or you can say it like this I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell somebody about the one body, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Either way you want to say it, that's pretty much where we're at, where we ought to be. It's a simple mission. It has a simple warning with it, but it takes a simple look at ourselves. One of the great deterrents, one of the great obstacles of sharing the good news of Jesus is just looking in the mirror. It's our it's me. It's me, Lord. Pray to the Lord, Lord, help me to quit being so foolish. Help me to quit being so distracted 
Help me, Lord, to realize I'm nothing in your sight. No one's really anything compared to you, Lord. We're just here to be your servants. And then the religion of Jesus is based on a simple look at time. No better time than the present. Really, there's no other time than the present. Jesus says in John 9, 4, We must work the works of Him that sent me while it's day. The night comes when no man can work, and that night is coming faster and faster. But Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4, describes us sometimes. The wise man there says, He that, he that goes out and observes the clouds, he that goes out and observes the wind, will neither sow nor reap. That's that verse, Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you go out and look at the wind, you go out and look at the clouds, you're not going to sow, you're not going to reap. What's that man doing? He said, he's saying to himself, I'm going to go out and sow when the conditions are perfect. When the conditions become perfect, then I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. The reason that's in the Bible is because we have the same tendency. We tell the Lord, Lord, I know what you want me to do. I know what you'd have me to be. And I'm going to do that, Lord, when I feel the conditions are perfect. Well, Lord, um, when, I, when I get a job, then I'm going to serve you, Lord, when I get a job. Lord, when I get married, then I'm going to be everything you'd have me to be. Lord, when, when, um, when our marriage gets better, then I'm going to be everything you'd have me to be. Lord, uh, when our kids get older, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you know what I know you want me to do. Lord, when our kids get older, Lord, when our kids get out of the home, then we'll be free and we'll be able to uh, do what you'd have, me, have us to do. Lord, um, when I get better off financially, okay, when I get out from the under, under the burdens of these, of these debts, then I'm going to serve you, Lord. Lord, when we get our house paid off, then we'll be right there, Lord. We'll be ready to serve you. Lord, when we get financially you know, stable and set, then we'll be ready to go and do what you'd have us to do. And on and on we go, Lord, when, when, I, get, when I get in better health, I'm, I'm going to serve you. Lord, when I get in bad health, then I won't have as much energy. Then I'll serve you, Lord. We just, the list goes on and on. Think about our, this, this church building is a blessing. It's a blessing. But you know what? We had the same mission before we ever came over here. The same work. Same work. Storm comes through and blows this building down. Guess what? The next morning we have the same mission. The mission doesn't, doesn't change. If we have to attach two or three empty trailers together in order to have our classrooms and, and worship uh, together, we're still going to have the same mission. It's the same thing. We'll be seeking the lost, we'll be teaching the lost, we'll be training the saved, we'll be worshiping in truth, we'll be loving everybody, no matter whether we have a building or not, whether, no matter the location, it's the same thing. Location, situation, let us heed the warning of Ecclesiastes 11.4. Some people say, well, once I get all these issues solved, you know, we got issues, we got problems, we, then we'll be ready to do the Lord's work. And we miss 
the working of the Lord all along. We miss it. And we also miss this truth. God often uses, in fact, if you just think about it, doesn't God use imperfect people in imperfect situations to do His will? Take that lady in John 4. What about her? Would you ever have guessed without knowing everything about her and what happens in John 4 there, would you ever have, if you just knew her background, would you ever have looked at her as being one of the best soul winners you ever read about in history? I mean, she had a lot of marriages. She was confused on where to worship and who it is to worship and how, how to worship. She, she had just now come to know the identity of Jesus we would look at her and say, if anybody's ever going to save a soul, it's not going to be her. She's not been trained. She doesn't know anything. She knew enough. That's an imperfect person in an imperfect situation who went out and accomplished a lot for the Lord. There in Acts 16, Paul came to Philippi looking for those who were lost. Along the way, there's a lady who is possessed with a demon. And Paul cast out that demon, but the lady was owned by certain men who were using her demon possession and somehow or another as a sideshow to, to gain a lot of money. When Paul cast out the demon, there goes their business. And so they got mad, and Paul and Silas end up in prison, in jail. What happens from that? Paul gets to teach the gospel to the jailer that was keeping them. And so a simple look at time. There is no other time than the present. Simple. Simple. The Lord would have us to be simple and to simply submit to His will. And we invite you to come to Him this very day, this very morning, this very hour, even here this very minute. Are you ready to go serve Him? Let Him save you from your sins through the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. And let's all go to work uh, together. We invite you to come right now as we stand together, as we sing for you.